Hello and welcome to the Swift Legacy Podcast, a show where we talk all things Taylor Swift with a focus on her early career. We're your hosts, Amy and Molly, and today we have a very special guest joining us to talk about meeting Taylor back in 2003. Welcome back to the Swift Legacy Podcast. We are so excited for today's episode because we're going to be talking to the OG Swifty, Holly Armstrong. Even if you don't know Holly by name, we're pretty sure that you'd recognize a photo of her with Taylor that was taken back in 2003. We've had lots of requests that we ask Holly to be a guest on one of our episodes, and we're so grateful that she was up for it. Lots of you guys sent in questions for us to ask, so we'll try and get through as many of them as we can. But don't forget that there's always extra content on our social media channels. So without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Holly, do you want to introduce yourself to those who might not know you? Sure. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Molly and Amy, for having me. I'm sending hugs to Rachel. Missing her today. It's a loaded question. Introduce yourself. Um, but as far as the, the Swifty land goes, um, yes, I have a picture of Taylor um, and I back from 2003. So it kind of circulated about 2019, I think, lots in thanks to Amy herself and a couple of other Swifties who picked it up. But it was a photo of a time when I was visiting New Jersey with some family. Uh, Taylor was playing on the boardwalk in Point Pleasant Beach. As Molly said earlier, lots of our listeners had questions for you. So I think we should dive in with the first of those and start with the ones about when you first met Taylor way back in 2003. So one of our listeners wanted to know if you remember what songs she performed at the show. Yeah, so it was a Radio Disney-sponsored performance of sorts. I don't know exactly if they were having artists, other artists. I don't remember any other artists, um, but they had a little kind of platform band kind of set up with amplifiers and some guitars. And she was just up on there and up there on like the three inch stage with a mic. The memory is fuzzy, right? When you go through memories like this and you have, it's been 18 years. And so you think back and it's like, well, I didn't know at the moment kind of how big this was all going to be and how important and how monumental this was all going to be from a personal standpoint. And from, I mean, Taylor became Taylor. And so I can with 80% certainty say that she played Lucky You. Um, I think she did a Patsy Cline cover. I don't know what else she, she sung. I think it was, it couldn't have been more than 10 or 15 minutes set. I really don't think it was very long at all. Um, because I got there right kind of near the beginning and then stayed through. I don't think it was about, it was 5 PM ish, right before fireworks were going to go off kind of in, in, on the beach. So, um, so I'm probably very unpopular for like my lack of memory. <laughs> no, I mean, gosh, you can't re- be expected to remember absolutely everything. I mean, she wasn't, she didn't have an album out. She was basically at that point, nobody. So no one can expect fair, you to have a perfect memory. The fact that you remember as much as you do is quite incredible considering it's 18 years ago. <laughs> I think that's quite impressive. I can't remember yesterday, so. I don't know. I have like this imaginary set list that maybe she played like Smoky Black Nights or something. That's never been a favorite song of mine, but <laughs> completely Smoky off topic. Black Nights, so lucky you. Um, both of them actually. I don't know. I think it's cute to see her old songwriting, but like it's not top tier. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely. I think that the 2001 songs um, that she kind of wrote, 2001, 2002, they kind of all are in that that realm of young songwriting and 
very much um, happy-go-lucky. And I think she was mirroring a lot of artists that she had been listening to and kind of looked at the chicks and looked at Leanne Rhymes and looked at whoever, it might've been Trisha Yearwood even, and kind of mirrored that in her most genuine way of being 11 and 12 years old. So, so yeah, no, I think she might've done Smoky Black Nights. I know they, they both obviously were on the demo CD that she handed out afterwards. Um, and so I think she did at least one of them. The next question, considering you've got quite a fuzzy memory, it's a very long time ago. This is probably going to be tough, but somebody wanted to know how tall you think Taylor was when you met in 2003. Those so. kinds of questions. What does Taylor smell like? And how tall is Taylor? And it's like, oh God, um, I get it. Like wanting to kind of place yourself in that moment um, as much as possible. So I empathize. I think I was probably five, two or five, three. So looking at the photo, she probably was five, seven-ish. Yeah, yeah I would that makes estimate. sense. <laughs> <laughs> don't hold me to that I don't know so and what strange. did she smell like <laughs> yeah what did she smell like sunscreen <laughs> probably a fair observation <laughs> I do think it's crazy though like I feel like whenever anybody meets a celebrity the first question they get asked is what did they smell like yeah it's like what is their scent I want to like emanate that person and become that person and I just think it's so funny there's so much more to a celebrity and so much more to a person um but it is right the senses are so I don't know evocative and so Mm. if you can like okay I can see it now I want to smell it and I want to hear it what happened what did they say and what did it feel like and so yeah I think it's all about just placing yourself in that memory um, Mm. other people's memories so a lot of people wanted to know what did you talk about with Taylor back in 2003 when you met her Yeah, so it was, um, there was probably a line of like three or four people. My sister was one of them. My little sister was one of them. Um, And so we had plenty of time to just kind of like chat, but keep in mind, like I was 12, she was 13. And so there was very little like substantive information that was exchanged. I think she commented on my shirt. I was wearing like a little American girl shirt. And so we talked a little bit about Trisha Yearwood's X's and O's song. Um, We talked about where we lived. Um, She mentioned the Houston rodeo and I told her, oh yeah, I went and saw the, the chicks now, but the Dixie chicks at the time, the year prior. So we talked a little bit about that. Our favorite color, cause I noted like purple was her demo, color of her demo. She's like, oh my God, I love purple. Normal 13-year-old things, I think. Um, but it, it made, a, you know, an impact. She was a friend at that point, right? You go to the beach, you meet somebody. Mine happened to be Taylor Swift, but then you're friends for life, right? Like you go home and you're like, yep, we're friends. So I would like go to school and I'd be like, yep, I have a friend named Taylor and she lives in Pennsylvania. I just, I can't like imagine just having like a conversation with Taylor. Like, oh yeah, I saw the chicks last year. Oh my gosh, I love them. Like, it's just... It's just like mind blowing kind of in a way, because obviously she's a normal human being. We all know that. But just the idea of like knowing her kind of pre-fame as well, it's just crazy. So after seeing her perform back then and talking to her, did you have any kind of idea or inclination that Taylor would maybe make it this far in terms of her career or that she would even go on to release an album? Um, No, and I can 
I don't think Taylor even really thought she was going to be as big as she is. Um, She was very humble when we met, very genuine. I definitely thought she would be coming out with an album, but you know, you just don't think like that, right? You make the connection, like the friend connection, right? And I say that with air quotes, um, with somebody and you're like, oh yeah, they play guitar, they do music, cool. I want to listen to their music. So it wasn't like this natural progression of, okay, she's, I'm going to think about her career, right? You think about, oh, like, wonder if she's going to have the same math class that I have, or like, I wonder if she's struggling with a test like I am this week. At what point did you realize that she was going to be big? Because obviously you were following her from before anyone really knew her name. At what point did people start to recognize that Taylor Swift was, that's come out completely wrong. At what point? What, did, what anyway. point did you realize Taylor Swift was Taylor Swift? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. So it's this, you know, when you're living it, it's this natural progression of what exactly is going on. Like this girl that I am air quotes friends with, um, writing diary entries to, but never sending them like message, you know, I fell into that memory and I fell into that demo CD at the right time for me personally. Like I went through a lot of, um, childhood trauma and that really lent itself to, using that memory and using Taylor as I had met her and Taylor in my memory and who I knew her as, as armor and as safe harbor. And I think that as she became Taylor, as she became more well-known, that caused me to draw inward. I think I came to the idea that it was it was a private memory. It was a raw memory. It was something that was very intimate for me personally. And so I needed to keep it private. And it was this security blanket. And if I let it out into the world, it could be pulled at or weaponized or commoditized or, you know, I wouldn't want anything to happen, I think, personally to destroy any memory or for that to get over to Taylor and for her not to be the person I thought that she was, right? Like you always hear, don't meet your heroes. And my hero was still writing her story, right? It wasn't this hero in a fairy tale with a happy ending that I could very much latch onto. I was watching mine publicly in an ever-growing, exponentially public microscope go through her life and grow up. And I had to reconcile that with the person that I knew and the person that I had really kind of latched onto. I would say I found, I was like super proud of myself. I was walking around a cop, Abercrombie and Fitch, like I, you know, you do on a Saturday at the mall. Um, and I found her in this little magazine that they were circulating. She was like an ANF model and they, well, it was not really, I mean, it was like a profile, right. On her as a musician. And I was like, you know, flipping through, you know, you flip through, you have nothing to do at the mall. And so you flip through everything you can. Um, and I saw Taylor and I was like, what, what, that was a pretty big moment for me. Um, I, I showed everybody. I was like, this is my friend. She lives in Pennsylvania. At the time, of course, she was living in like Nashville. Like I think at that point, I think as fan sites started coming online, I, you know, I tracked her music. Um, I tried to watch and see where she would be performing. I was again, 13, 14, like didn't drive, couldn't get up North, um, lived in Texas. I think that the Taylor fan was one of the first sites. Um, I think there might've been one before that. Um, then you get into like Taylor Connect and all of those different bits and pieces that kind of more went through the official Taylor Swift. But as I started seeing more and more people comment about her, um, speculate about her, I think that I, again, I further 
drew kind of inward the, once the inner circle started once things started getting very exclusionary like that was kind of my ticket to okay like <laughs> I will be supporting and calling radio stations and doing what I do and like finding the most genuine way to support but like not, not talking to me because they <laughs> take a step shit. back <laughs> yeah exactly like, and I never shared my photo that was the thing like my photo was like shared on my private Facebook occasionally, like every birthday, like usually December 13th, I would usually share it, wish Taylor a happy birthday on my private Facebook. Um, but it was never publicly shared until 2019. And so like, I never really knew what would happen. Do you remember kind of how your photo exploded as it were? Me came out um, and whether you love the song or not, like it was this big switch it was this big u-turn from the reputation era and there were easter eggs left and right which any fan especially those in the beginning easter eggs are the way to your heart like you know searching out those capitalized letters and finding clues and all of those things and so I just went swifty nuts so I watched the video so many times and I just had to kind of like publicly thank her, publicly have a little bit of fun on my Instagram account. I had maybe 150 followers, like friends and family. Um, and so I laid out all my, like, well, some of my magazines and other things. And I have my little demo CD. My picture had a butterfly in it. Like she had a butterfly on her shirt and like, you know, the butterfly era of lover. And I thought, oh God, this is just too fun not to. So like, let me share this with my friends and family. So I like took a little video that panned over. That was found because apparently I like, had a hashtag in there somewhere, like an idiot. And so um, that was picked up. And then I had some people message me and kind of ask about it and super happy to share, like kind of talked with it, talked with them about it. Like, yeah, like, you know, this, this is real. <laughs> this is a thing. Thank you so much. And then I was chatting with Alyssa from um, Liz Loves Tay. I think that's her handle. Um, and she is the sweetest person ever. Um, we were talking about unreleased songs. And then I shared a, a picture because people were talking about people in the fandom being very young. And I, I don't, I don't really remember, but I shared it. And she was like, oh my God can I send this to Amy? And so I'm pretty sure she sent it to you. And then Emmy on, um, from 10 years of Taylor on Twitter, which I wasn't on Twitter at the time. I had like, again, 150, I was not online. Like I did very illiterate, like of online things. She shared it on Twitter and it like blew up on Twitter. So I was getting like tagged in things. Um, so between you and Alyssa and Emmy, it just, exploded I remember I messaged you to say if like was it okay if I shared it and then I did and it just it went insane yes. it, it and was... that made all the difference right like that's something that I was really surprised about is the kindness right like you saying hey can I share this and I was like oh my god people are so nice they're not just gonna steal this photo like you know you get this the few that are like especially now right they won't tag like they'll just share they won't tag they won't do this so you kind of don't see where it goes which scares me a little bit definitely um, but that's not how you approached it. And so I was like, okay, like I can wade out into this pool and let's see where this goes. Happy, like I'm happy to share. I want people to see like how amazing Taylor always was. But yeah, no, that made all the difference. I can't thank people enough. Like, I think that there was a lot of unresolved trauma maybe like leading up to like what that memory was for me. Like the, the raw nature of that memory and the raw nature of that photo and everything that that meant for me personally I think sharing it 
was just very vulnerable, like a very vulnerable act. But in doing that, I got these unbelievably kind comments and these empathetic stories. And like, it was just genuine kindness and joy and love and it was very overwhelming, like in the best way. So I know you said kind of you were worried about sharing it and quite protective over it. Are you glad that eventually you did kind of let it out into the world? Absolutely. I have no regrets whatsoever. And in the way that the Taylor Swift community, the Swifty community, like really truly took care of it and took care of me um, was something I never expected. And I would absolutely like do it in the same way again. I think it felt the most genuine for me. It felt the most authentic way to share. It ultimately ended in a secret session um, invitation, which was beyond my wildest dreams. And I cannot ever thank, I mean, you guys, Alyssa, Emmy, like everyone that tagged literally thousands upon thousands of people that like day in and day out were tagging Taylor and Taylor Nation. So, I mean, this seems like a quite obvious segue. The Lover Secret Sessions, what was it like? Oh, gosh. Um, That's a big question, I know. It's another loaded question. What was it like? (laughs) Tell me everything. Tell me everything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm an introvert, like wildly introverted. Um, I'm an empath and I have anxiety. And so like all of that, like that tornado of things really doesn't lend itself well to new place, limited information, um, surprises, and meeting your hero after 17 years. Like, what? Like, it wasn't, (laughs) it was not my ideal situation, if I can be very blunt about it. Um, Never in a million years would I take it back. And like, it was wonderful in all senses of the word but there was no way I could prepare for it. It was unexpected. Um, It was, it's just not a normal thing. You know, it's weird and it's unusual and it's uncomfortable, like very uncomfortable. Like I was very out of my comfort zone. I tend to be, like I said, just like I am that way as a fan, I observe, I take it in. Um, I tend to be that way in person too. And so I was all in my head about making a first impression, another, right? Like my like second impression with Taylor. It was like, what am I going to say? How do I live up to this? Like if she's seen the photo, if she's seen all the activity that's going on, I don't know. Like, what does she think of me? Um, does she think of me at all? Like, did I get invited by Taylor Nation to appease the Swifties? Like, does she even want me there? Um, so I think there was a lot of this like anxiety swirling around in my head. And of course, at the time, It was unusual because I really hadn't been in the online fandom, immersed in the online fandom for very long at all. Um, And I was very careful about who I spoke with and who I talked to because it's hard to make connections, right? Like genuine, thorough connections with people. So I didn't have a lot of friends that like, I was like, oh yeah, that person will probably be there. Or, oh God, I can't scream with anybody about this because one, I don't want to tell anybody because I don't trust anyone. (laughs) But like, how do I celebrate like genuine? So I think there was a lot of mixed emotions around it. Obviously excitement, um, but a lot of apprehension and expect, like I didn't want to let anybody down, you know, when your photo is shared that much. And there's all of these like hopes for you, like, oh God. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. 
I mean, I think people always kind of look at the secret sessions and think about them as like this absolute incredible experience. But when you actually think about the reality of it, it's kind of, I mean, if I was in that situation, I would be absolutely bricking it. <laughs> it's a it's a lot of pressure. And yeah. if you're at one of those secret sessions, that photo is going to be circulated everywhere and everyone's going to be asking you for a story and what happened and what did you think of all the songs and stuff I think I'd psych myself out I'd be like I'm not going I can't do this so I get you I completely get that and I think that's probably what a lot of people don't appreciate like everyone dreams of being invited but at the same time if you actually do get invited I can imagine it being terrifying there's a lot of people packed into a small room generally on the floor most people are on the floor and like I'd had surgery like the months before that um and so I was like sort of on pain meds and like trying to like monitor and like make sure like I didn't look like I was uncomfortable and so it's just you're all very close and everybody's screaming like mostly which again like very big emotions freak me out and like it was like claustrophobia in the best way I don't want to sound ungrateful because I swear to God, like I would not trade that experience for the world, but it was, it was, um, it was a lot of emotions personally, like a lot of it was going on inside of me because right. She walks in the room, she sits down and she's like right there in front of you and she's talking and talking about the music and talking about the stories and joking with people. But generally when an introvert is in a room with other extroverts, like they're yelling and they're screaming and they're asking questions. And I'm just sitting there like, Oh my God. <laughs> I think I'd be the same in that situation. Like if everyone's like yelling, I mean that that in itself, it just seems strange. If it were me, I think like in a room with Taylor, I'd kind of want to be quiet so she can just speak. <laughs> I don't know if this is controversial, but like, does, doesn't that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's about where I'm at. And that's, that's kind of, and it, right? And that's the thing. Everybody experiences it so differently. And I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to want to do that. But when you're in a room with other people who are trying to experience it in a hundred different ways, it can spill over, right? And the very, very loud, um, you have to kind of be able to like quiet it down. Because like in my head, my type A self was like, oh, shh, shh, she's saying something. I don't want to miss this. I, you know, and you find your people, right? Like there, there were a couple of people who recognized me, which was a saving grace um, because they tended to be thankfully quieter as well. So we kind of found like a quiet spot in the back, like near the back um, where we could kind of just be there. But at the same time, again, you know, I don't think Taylor expects anyone to experience it in one way or another. I think that in whatever way feels most genuine to those people, like if I, you know, I sat there, I kind of like closed my eyes at some moments where I just like, I, you know, you focus and you're trying to like hear things. So yeah, it was, it was an experience. It was unreal, um, wildly intoxicating and fun and um, anxiety inducing all at the same time. I think, I think it's okay that it was like, it can be all of those things. I feel like maybe there's a lot of pressure to just be like, it was a positive experience, but nothing is just a positive experience. It's unrealistic to maybe talk about it as if it was when it wasn't necessarily. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot going on, right? And you're yeah. thinking about like, you're sitting in that room and you're thinking about like, what's going to happen in the next four hours? And what am I going to say, right? That script that I have run through in my head for weeks at that point, am I going to have all the time that I want to say what I want? want to say am I gonna 
be able to speak. What was she like in comparison the both times you met her? Taylor was very much the same in that she was genuine. She was happy. There was joy. I think that there's this childlike excitement that she can hold for an infinite amount of time. I mean, I don't know. She's got to sleep at some point, but she comes unmatched when she meets people. Like, it's absolutely unreal. Um, She makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. She makes you feel like you're important, like when you talk to her. And that was the same. That was that feeling, right? That was that feeling, that memory that I held on to was she's my friend. Like if I ever needed to, like I could reach out. That was me in 2003. And that was what I felt when I walked into the room in 2019. Um, And that was comforting. Uh, She smiled. She was, she was much more polished than she was in 2003. But I think you can expect that um, when you look at a 13-year-old versus a 30-year-old. She can change the subject on a dime. So like if you're talking about something, she's like a dog who sees a squirrel sometimes. Oh, and this other thing. And oh, this other thing. So like it's that excitement, right? That like bubbly excitement. But you can also feel that if you're going down the path of a conversation where she's like, I'm not sure I'm ready to talk about that, she can change the subject and make it sound and feel very genuine. Did she mention anything about 2003? Yes and no. So that was a question that like I knew I needed to tee up. We talked a little bit before about like kind of random things. Um, said hello, did a lot of hugging. Um, you know, I told her, of course, thank you for being there. You were a friend before I really knew I needed one. They kind of got near the end where she was like kind of in picture mode where I, I you know, I was like, okay, my mouth started drying out. Like, cotton balls had been just like shoved in my mouth and like I it was it was the most surreal weirdest thing I've never experienced dry mouth before so I was like trying to get my teeth from like sticking to my lips and like staring at her awards like it was it was the most uncomfortable thing and I was trying to make it look natural so yeah no it was a whole thing but I finally like got up the courage I was like do you remember it like at all and it was the most vulnerable. I could feel my voice shaking because in that moment, she was either going to firm the invisibility that I had kind of started to feel, right? You kind of lose hope that you're making a difference and she can feel your love, right? Like there's all of that wrapped up into it. Or she was going to confirm that, yeah, she appreciated, you know, whatever it was, or she remembered this thing that was so big for me was it big for her too? And she, you know, without a lot of hesitation, she said, yes, she remembered it. I don't think like she act, she remembered me. I feel like that'd be asking like a lot, but she did say, she was like, you know, a few people came up, they asked me, you know, they took pictures. Um, She was like, you guys made me feel famous. Um, It was, you know, cool. And I was like, oh, you know, you guys played guitar. Like you were famous to me. Like that's the coolest thing ever. And so we talked about that and and she effectively ended up saying like, just thank you for staying all of these years. And I think that was one of the most important things that I could have heard. One of the best things that came out of that secret session for me, like that experience for me was I, I didn't realize how much I needed to hear that. And then of course she told me I was witty, which was a great secondary quote that I will just take for forever. I'll just engrave it on my gravestone. Honestly, um, Taylor Swift telling you you are witty is 
something else. Okay, that's my new life goal. That's all I want. Yeah. <laughs> oh, drop everything. That. So yes, um, I am 90% sure that she had seen the picture. When you went in to meet her, did that script that you have in your head, because I know I do it too, you rehearse conversations, did it just all fly out the window? Did you somewhat try and like, nah, it just goes, doesn't it? It went, yeah, it absolutely, it I had it right. I had it all typed up, but you don't know like how much time you're going to have. All in all, I maybe had five to seven minutes with her. So it, it flies by. And so you kind of stumble through the intro. She takes it really. I mean, she really does. Like, I think she understands the position that fans are in when they are confronted with a situation like that. Um, shock and awe, even if they were prepared for it. And so she kind of guides the conversation. We joke back and forth and a lot of that, but there, the, the question about the photo, I definitely wanted to ask. So like, that was something in my head. I did not ask it nearly as eloquently as I had like written it down. Um, I did not do anything eloquently in that meeting with Taylor. She probably thinks I'm a bumbling idiot. It was not cute. Like it was not cute. I was all over the place. I was probably bright red. Like I get really, really red when I get just embarrassed or overwhelmed or like, I mean, really any occasion that my body can betray me, it just red all over. So I'm sure I was like bright red. I am probably one of the very few, and this is going to be a very, very unpopular that is very glad that she has not published any lover secret sessions videos because I'm 90% <laughs> sure I look like an idiot I don't want anybody to think when they're thinking about secret sessions that anybody really goes in and knocks out of the park nobody goes in and has this perfect conversation or this eloquent exchange even the most planning even the most eloquent of people and most extroverted of people I think get flustered in that moment I think that if you're a fan of Taylor and you have been for a long time, there is no way that you can like go into meeting her and not end up messing something up or forgetting what you were going to say or just breaking. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And that was a fear. Like I, I don't generally cry in public, but I cry when I'm like overwhelmed or I'm like really angry or I feel like I'm not being heard. Right. So it's like, they're tears, but they're weird tears and they're loaded tears. And so I was like, God, don't do that. Like just don't because at that point I think it was like two or three a.m and we had been there for you know since four ish in the afternoon and so like my makeup was already a mess and like I looked tired and I you know I didn't want to explain the tears if they happened but you know you just you're tired you're overwhelmed you're anxious like it all kind of explodes I mean god if I had to talk to Taylor at like 2 or 4 a.m. Jesus, that would not go well. I can't talk to anyone like past 9 p.m. Can I pitch an idea that she switch it around and does the meeting bit first and get that out of the way? Because I feel like I'd be so, I wouldn't be able to focus on the music because I'd be so stressed about what I was going to say and whether I was going to come across okay and how it was going to go. And so like, I feel like if she got that bit over first, I can only like relax and focus on the music. Yes, Molly, yes. Like, and that is what I was wanting. Like I would have probably, and I can't say I would have been eloquent or like it would have gone smoothly, but I feel like I would have probably been a little bit more prepared. Um, And yeah, you're right. Like she sits and she plays these songs and she took a break in the middle. You're so distracted and you, you really can't focus. And because you're right, totally consumed by what's happening after and like that moment, right? That moment that it's all building toward. 
Um, so yeah, that would be a major question. I'm sure she does it for a reason that way. Amongst this panic of knowing that you're going to meet her, what about the music do you remember? What about listening to those songs for the first time? Do you recall? I remember thinking, wow, this is different. You know, at that point, what had we heard at that point? The Archer, I think, had been released at that point, um, which is so different than really the rest of the album. And so there was a lot of, it kind of hit a range. The entire album hit a big range for me. And so I was hearing things from, right, The Archer, which we knew about, to The Man, to something a bit more storied like uh, Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. And then you hear it's nice to have a friend. And so you've kind of got this full spectrum of like just different music. Like she was just playing. Like it was her having fun with music again and exploring and enjoying the process and trying new things. And that I loved. I loved that she could get back to like doing it for her, right? This being the first album that she truly owned um, was something very special. And sitting in a room and seeing the pride and the joy on her face while she was playing these songs that, you know, she was wildly proud of and like, but she had tried new things and gone out and done all of these things. Like that was really special. And I think how you said in that, like, there are so many different sound sonically on the album as well. I feel like after 1989, when she used the word sonically cohesive so many times, I think they like left her vocabulary until like folklore. <laughs> like she just, she'd had enough of that. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think that's the thing, like she latched onto a critic. She latched onto a criticism of something that I think surprised us all, right? Like something like Red. That was a true, 1989 was a true U-turn from Red simply because of that critique, that sonically cohesive critique. Taylor Nation came after, like we were kind of standing and talking, waiting for me to be called back to talk to Taylor. And um, I was talking with a couple of the Taylor Nation employees and they asked, like, which was your favorite? And I'm sitting here like, I don't know. Like, I don't know the titles. I was like, the man one? And they were like, oh, okay. I think I called it Your Man, the Josh Turner song. And I that, was like- That changes the meaning completely. So embarrassing. It really does. So embarrassing. Yeah, I can. I could remember some, like one or two like melodies that like got stuck in my head. Titles, nope. Maybe choruses, like little lines here and there that like just clicked mm-hmm. or stood out. So I think a really lovely question to round the episode on off that we had to ask you is what is your favorite thing that Taylor has ever said to you whether it was back in 2003 or at the secret sessions that is a really good question I think it was at the secret session right the just thank you for staying all these years that I really really needed to hear um didn't know I needed to hear it I wasn't looking for anything but in that moment it was confirmed that I had made a difference that she had felt my support I think that kind of broke me in the best way like it really ignited a lot of hope that I had had um, around who she was who she had become unfortunately that's all we've got time for for today but we want to say a massive thank you to Holly for joining us on this episode you should definitely follow her and we will link her accounts on our social media thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week with a new episode of Swift Legacy Podcast <laughs>